Welcome to the Academy Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing rich content for the purpose of spiritual growth. I'm your host, Shalom Agdarab, who participated in the two-year Academy for Spiritual Formation and graduated in Academy 29. I have served on leadership teams and am an overall fan and friend of the Academy. I'm also a pastor, developing a new community-controlled space out of an existing congregation. I'm a partner to a teacher, I'm a newish mom, and I hope to be in solidarity with the people fighting for liberation in every context. The Academy creates transformative space for people to connect with God, self, others, and creation for the sake of the world. To learn more about the Academy, visit academy.upperroom.org. Every Advent, we ponder with Mary what it means to incarnate the divine, to grow in her body, the one who will be the light of the world. I'm recording this just a day after people in Texas are given the green light to police women's bodies, and more specifically, their wombs. Offering these remarks feels particularly appropriate given today's excerpt on spirituality and embodiment. This month's podcast features teaching from Dan Wolpert at Two-Year Academy 39 in Malvern, Pennsylvania in 2018. He and his wife, Deborah, co-taught the topic on spirituality and embodiment. The clips in this episode are excerpts from the final lecture of that session. Dan is author of multiple spiritual formation books. He's the executive director and co-founder of MICA, the Minnesota Institute for Contemplation and Healing. He's spouse, partner, ally, activist, and dad. Dan has been a student of the spiritual life since age 21 and has taught in the fields of psychology and spiritual formation in numerous settings. In addition to his retreat and teaching work, Dan provides counseling and spiritual direction services at MICA. As you listen today, become aware of your body. What are you holding? What grief does your body carry? Where does it feel light? Listen on, dear one, and as you listen, breathe deeply and expand gently. What I want to do is talk some about this health and spirituality thing uh, from uh, maybe a 10,000 foot view. Because I, I think that some of what we've been able to convey and uh, some of what we've been able to engage with you about is that really when we're talking about this embodiment and the spirituality of embodiment, uh, that this is not just about my individual health or my individual health practices, but this really is about a much greater sense of connection to the entire material world and the society within which we find ourselves. Right? Because everything, everything, uh, that happens to us and with us happens because we are embodied. We don't often think about this. We are, our bodies are not simply a convenient carrying vehicle for a brain. Right? Like, like a little cart that wheels a brain around. Or bacteria. You know. <laughs> it is a carrying container for bacteria. <laughs> You queen freak. <laughs> you know, Mary could not have gone to the tomb if she didn't have a body. 
Mary could not have wept if she didn't have a body. Mary could not have offered to carry away Jesus' body if she didn't have a body. Mary could not have spoken to Jesus or heard Jesus if she didn't have a body. Our embodiment, our embodiment is the source of our spirituality. And what the fallen world does is try to decrease and minimize and limit and squish our full embodiment. Right? All of this, you know, this bad feelings that we have, the shame that we feel, these bad things that we've been told about ourselves, all of this stuff, this is the material world trying to crush embodiment. And then, what it also does is it segments embodiment. Right? Some embodiments are good, some embodiments are bad. Right? <coughs> Michael Brown's body lay on the ground for four hours rotting. Right? What was the message of the embodiment? The message was black and brown lives do not matter. They do not matter. Right? The message of that is the white empire is going to crush you and your embodiment is no good. The very same day, Jenner talked about this in her first sermon, the very same day that those two black men were being arrested in Starbucks for being embodied in that place in black skin, very same day, almost to the hour, I was sitting with a white friend in a restaurant, not ordering food, waiting for a friend to show up before we ordered. The exact same scenario, the exact same embodiment. Did I get taken out of handcuffs? <laughs> no. No, I did not. I was treated as a valued customer. And the restaurant was perfectly happy to have my friend and I wait before we ordered, before our friend got there. Okay? This is what the fallen world does. And so one of the things when we are talking about this awareness of embodiment and this awareness of spirituality, one of the interesting things uh, when you study different traditions, you know, we begin to see these common threads of what does it mean to wake up and become fully human. In the Tibetan Buddhist uh, understanding of anthropology, the mind is not located in the brain. Where is the mind located? It's in the heart. Just like our Orthodox friend. Right? The mind is located in the heart. So when we start to talk about this awareness of embodiment, one of the biggest things about being embodied is that we are limited. We are limited by space, and we are limited by time. Right? We only have 24 hours in a day, seven days in a week, right? and the span of our lives is 70 years, 80 if we're lucky, right? That's what the Bible says. And for a lot of people, it's a lot shorter than that. 
So one of the things that we need to be aware of is how are we spending that space and that time with our body. Because you know what? One of the things that we get convinced of in this fallen world that crushes embodiment is that we spend a lot of time doing frivolous things. Right? We go to committee meetings that we don't want to be at, and nothing gets done. We spend a lot of time arguing with silly people over silly things. We spend a lot of time fighting with people who aren't listening to us, and we're not listening to them. Right? We spend a lot of time in our little, maybe sort of safe spaces, maybe hiding out in our offices, right? maybe doing things that the biggest giver or the grumpiest person in the church is telling us to do, that is of no value to anyone whatsoever, except maybe them and their family. Those are choices that we're making about our environment. And so where do we put our minds? And how do we put them there? One of the things that uh, a lot of Black Lives Matter activists have talked about Right? is the fact that, you know, sometimes when there is some kind of situation or problem uh, that involves or that affects white people, oftentimes black activists will show up at those events and deal with that. And then sometimes when there's a Black Lives Matter event and activist, all those white folks are not there. Right? Where are their bodies? Where are you putting your body? Right, when you get up in the morning, when you look at your calendar, when you imagine your day, when you think about how you are being called into this world, what are you doing with your embodiment? And, and how are we listening? to what is a life-giving way of being embodied in the world. And this, this wonderful notion of becoming more and more godlike, right, as we are transformed by the Holy Spirit in our heart, that somehow, somehow, the implication is, right, if this is the fallen kingdom and we're thinking about the kingdom of God, Somehow there is got to be then a translation between that inner transformation and the outer expression. The outer expression. Now one of the things that we need to consider then about the church is that the church is constantly disembodying us and disembodying our communities in many ways and getting up in our heads with all this spirituality God talk, right? how is it that we are then not embodying the kingdom of God? And what might that begin to look like? What might that begin to look like? Right? And so, so this practice of spirituality and embodiment is about paying attention to those things. 
And we engage in our personal practices, we engage in our corporate practices, but we then move out of that into the real world. See, if we look at the gospel stories, this is what Jesus was doing all the time. And so Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray, alone by himself, right? Maybe a couple of people sneak up after him, kind of find where he is, right? But then what does he do? They goes down out of that, and there's all the people. And he engages with them in his embodiment. Right? And he heals them, and he teaches, right? and then he goes back to pray for a little while. And that rhythm, that flow, is the basic rhythm of the spiritual life. Right? And so, you know, this got mentioned uh, earlier about the academy, this rhythm of this week. Right? And the basic monastic rhythm is a three-part rhythm of prayer, work, and study. And this is this basic embodied rhythm. You pray together, you study, you pray alone some, you study alone some, but then you also work. And so then you go into the garden, you go repair things, you know, we saw that in the clip about Manathos, all that, making this generator, guys, this mechanical wizard, you know. So that is this very embodied practice, this very embodied practice. And as we take our embodiment more seriously, and we pay attention to our time, right, our embodiment begins to be transformed. And new things start to happen. Right? One of my favorite uh, stories about this, for a while I was, I was doing spiritual direction with a pastor who was in Wisconsin, and he was trying to get a spirituality kind of ministry center thing going with his church. And he was working really hard at this. And uh, it was not working. Nothing was happening. And one day I was meeting with him, and he was saying, he said, "Yeah, you know, I'm in my office. I'm working really hard, and I'm really trying to do all this stuff. And these people keep coming to my office and bothering me, interrupting my work. And I'm just not getting the spirituality center done. And I said, Well, why don't you try talking to them?" He said, well, but that'll interrupt my work. <laughs> I said, well, your work isn't going so well anyway, so why don't you just give this a try? So the next month, you know, we had our appointments by phone. The next month he called me up and he said, you will not believe what happened. <laughs> I said, really, try me. He said, you know that thing about talking to people? <laughs> He said, I tried it. He said, I was sitting there, I was working, and this woman comes, and she knocks on my door, and I was, you know, really irritated, and I was, I, she was interrupting my work, but I remembered what we talked about, and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to try this. So I invite her in, I put my work aside, we sit down, and she said, so, uh, Pastor, I own the 10 acres next to the church, and I want to give it to the church for a spirituality center. 
then, then you won't believe what happened next. Then this guy shows up in my office, and like now I'm excited to talk to people that come to my office. And so I invite him in, and he said, well, I've got this men's group, and we're looking for some kind of project, and we want to build trails through the woods for the spirituality center and build a little kind of gazebo in the middle, and they're out there working on that right now. So all that he did was change his embodiment. That's really all he did. He switched from sitting at his desk, thinking he was working, being irritated at people, being mad that his work wasn't going well, to just turning around and saying, hi, what's up? Talking to people. You see, so we begin to change our embodiment, and new things start to happen. Uh, so I would just really encourage, again, as we are thinking about spirituality and embodiment, uh, to begin to ask yourself every day that very simple question. What am I doing with my body today? What am I doing with my body today? And is it life-giving, or is it death-dealing? Again, not as bad or good, not as judgment, not as I'm being a good person or bad person, but just noticing. I'm just noticing. What am I doing? And what am I excited about doing? Or what would I rather do? So I want to leave you with another uh, wonderful phrase having to do with bees. We've heard this one image where you know we are the bee going to what is nice. Uh, but there's another phrase, and it's been attributed to a number of different spiritual teachers, so I'm not sure who originally said it. Uh, but it, it goes uh, like this. It's that when the flowers open, the bees come. So in this image, we're not the bees, we're the flowers. And when the Spirit of God lives and works through us and flowers in us, all kinds of people, activities, goodness, life become attracted to that. We do not have to, the flowers do not have to run around looking for the bees. Oh, there's one, quick, let's go, let's make it a new member. No, flowers just sit there, being flowers, being fully alive, beautiful, and awake, being fully embodied as to who they are. And the bees are like, I want that. Because see, here's the thing. If your embodiment becomes a full flowering of the kingdom of God, that's what people are hungry for. That's what people are dying for. 
When people come to see us, when people come to Deborah's office or my office, they want to be more alive. They want to be free from what ails them. And so when they see somebody that's doing that, they're like, hmm, that looks interesting. What are they doing? So our spiritual life and practice turns us into beautiful flowers that we already are, but we're becoming more of. What am I doing with my body today? Is it life-giving or death-dealing? I'm grateful for these questions from Dan because in this prolonged pandemic, as a pastor leading worship from home, I can forget that there are physical bodies on the other end of the Zoom call that might need touch or a hug. Maybe juice-soaked bread that melts on their tongue, reminding them that broken things can become nourishment. As a brown woman, I know all too well how diet culture can leave me forgetting I am made in the image of God, chasing after someone else's body instead of loving my own. For the season of my life where I practice yoga regularly, the one instruction I heard again and again was to breathe. The one thing that is innate, pre-programmed in us, is the thing we block or prevent when our bodies are challenged, anxious, or trying something new. Today, I notice that my body is achy. I feel the scar from my C-section and it's angry today. After listening to Dan's teaching, I not only notice the hard parts... I hope to respond with tenderness and ask for help from my family in taking care of household needs. The spiritual life does not ask us to shun the body. It asks us to pay very close attention to it and to respond with hospitality and grace. It does not need to be Advent for us to remember that we embody the divine in everything we do. Thanks for listening along with us today. Share this podcast with others. May it be a nudge, a guide, an honoring of intuitions you've long held, and a means for justice in your lives and in the lives of all. To hear more from faculty and wisdom guides like Dan Wolpert, join us at the next online or in-person academy retreat. For more information, visit academy.upperroom.org.